Welcome everybody to the Koya Pond. Uh, my name is Wes and we have a incredible classroom filled here at Woodmont Hills of individuals uh, who come together every Sunday morning uh, in a safe, diverse community to build deeper, broader understanding of God. This is an overview for our fall series, The Creativity of God. Now, I love to interview folks. This morning's a little bit different for me because it's an overview of the class. I typically do not love to teach. Some people in the class know that. Uh, we've got a live audience here as well. Our live audience uh, will be chiming in with questions. So they have the ability uh, in real time to text in questions, insights, things they think. Uh, so feel free, audience, to make sure to do that even this morning as well. This morning we don't have a guest. Instead, I'm going to give an overview of the class, obviously. Now, I'm a fiddler when I get nervous or I'm out of my comfort zone. And I'm a bit that way right now. Typically, I have a dry erase marker in my hands or a pen that clicks, and it drives my wife bonkers. Absolutely bananas. So this morning, I just have a pen that doesn't make any noise that I can fiddle with uh, as we go through this morning. Uh, but I want to welcome you uh, to our class this morning. The class, of course, is the creativity of God, and I'm not sure what that makes you think of. I'm not sure where you span. Our class just got done speaking a little bit about uh, is it easy, is it create enthusiasm in us to think about uh, infinite, boundless possibilities, or does that bring us anxiety? Thinking about that uh, shows us a little bit about w our personalities and, and who God's made us to be. Uh, this is a class that's going to be about getting out of our own universe, if you will, uh, and you'll see why I use that term here in just a bit. Uh, get outside of the own, our own spaces, get outside of our own comfort zones, and play in the universe of others, play in someone else's universe, specifically people that we believe play in very creative spaces, uh, places and spaces that we may have some concept of, and even this morning we're going to talk a little bit that we have some concept of space, of, uh, of the universe in, in, as a whole, um, but not a place that we play regularly. Uh, so any point in time, you as the listener, um, the people who are here in our live audience as well, uh, you guys will say, I have a concept of that creative space. Uh, so a little teaser, next week we're going to have an improv comedy person here with us. And some may say, well, I've seen that. Uh, maybe I've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, which is a great uh, older show if you've seen that before. Um, and you may say, I have a concept of that, but it's not a space that I play in regularly. We want to look at people who play in these creative spaces regularly and gain the insights that we can learn from them as well. The creativity of God's creation is endless. The creativity of God's creation is endless, boundless, infinite. I'm not sure how you have ever tried to describe infinity. I looked at lots of different ways that it, that analogies have been made to try to talk about things that are boundless, that have no barriers, that have no walls around them. It's the difference that we've talked here in class about getting a blank sheet of paper and just creating versus actually working through a very specific worksheet as well. Uh, we could explore forever and always and learn something new every single time. Uh, now for me, that's an exciting place to play. That's an exciting place to play that 
to the very last breath that I take on this earth, I am going to be able to constantly be learning something new. Uh, I'm never going to completely figure God out. Um, how do you explain forever? How do you explain infinity? How do you explain boundlessness? Uh, for those of you live with us right now, in just a bit, I'm going to ask you that. So if you have a way, an analogy that you've heard in the past to explain infinity, uh, I'd love for you to chime that in. And if you want to put it in our text thread, that would be great as well well. Um, does it open you up to possibilities or does it make you nervous uh, when we're met with gray area ambiguity? Is your instinct to lean in or disregard? Uh, which way do you play in that space? Alright, so for our, uh, before we get into this even more specifically, anyone from our live audience, the podcast cannot hear you, so I'll repeat what you say. How have you heard infinity or boundlessness described to you in the past? Anybody have a good analogy for that? So to our listener, we have somebody in our class this morning that articulated riding in the car as a child uh, and really articulated not necessarily an analogy, but a feeling that, that an infinite space and an infinite campus uh, uh, maybe gave him as well. Anybody else, any analogy? Heard somebody say one time, uh, think of a library, and in that library is full of books on every subject and it contains every single piece of information that ever happened. So as I'm talking right now to you guys, there's a book that describes me and everything I'm doing that describes me doing exactly that for you guys as well. And you and thought about how big that library would be to describe every single circumstance in complete detail. Uh, used it that way. Heard somebody else describe it one time as a bird taking one speck of sand from one side of the ocean to the other and doing that over and over and over again and how long that might, that might take uh, as, as an infinite piece. Uh, so listener, I don't know how you, you think about infinity, but when we get into the creative nature um, of God, when we get into God's uh, creative qualities, this is the space that we're playing in. Playing in a in a boundless place where we c there's all kinds of opportunities. Uh, there's three major themes uh, that I really want us to think about as we engage in these uh, creative classes on Sunday morning. So, three ways that we want to gauge our thinking uh, so that we can really uh, get what God has for us uh, out of these classes each and every Sunday morning. Those three major themes that we'll dig into this morning. Number one is the difference between lazy thinking and deep thinking. The difference between lazy thinking and deep thinking. So uh, to you, the listener, there's ways to prepare your mind. There's things you can do to prepare yourself for this podcast, to prepare yourself for some of our guests, to our live audience that's here every Sunday morning. Uh, there's things you can do during the week to better prepare yourself to get out of what we could potentially get out of this boundlessness that we're playing in. So, and it's the difference between lazy thinking and deep thinking. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to call anybody out in here, right? Uh, some of us uh, love and are much more enthused about playing in these creative spaces than others. Uh, I'm just saying there are things that we all can do uh, to get to get better at um, pulling this stuff or, or learning from this. Uh, the second is a scarcity mindset versus an abundant mindset. A scarcity mindset versus a mindset of abundance. And the last thing is moving our minds from the impossible to maybe it's just improbable. 
moving from the impossible to the improbable. So three different themes that we want to have throughout our time. So listener, um, uh, as you're listening to this, hopefully you're going back to this overview uh, before kind of listening in to some of the um, uh, interviews that we'll be doing as well. Uh, so lazy thinking versus deep thinking, scarcity mindset versus abundant mindset, and the impossible versus the improbable. Those are the three pieces that we want to do. Uh, let's start with deep thinking versus lazy thinking. And again, this is where uh, I would love uh, for our live audience to chime in with any insight you hear, uh, anything you might question, any of those kind of things. I uh, would love for you to throw that up there so y'all can participate in the room as well. At a recent commencement speech at Wake Forest University, Larry Culp, the CEO of General Electric, made an interesting argument about popular technologies and tools people depend upon to express their thinking. He contends that it's easy for people to become so over-reliant on some tools that they become lazy in their thinking. Again, we're talking about lazy thinking versus deep thinking. It's not the tools, but the use of them that makes people more superficial and less substantive when they reach important conclusions. Not the tools, but the use of them that potentially makes them more lazy thinkers. Cole points to the overuse of PowerPoint and social media in particular as two such corruptive influences. Both tools encourage people to rely heavily on superficial explanations of complex ideas. They ask users to condense substantive thoughts and opinions into doubt-sized messages and bullet points. How many of y'all in our live audience have seen that in social media form for sure? And how many of y'all love, how many of us love a good PowerPoint that takes very complex ideas and makes them smaller and bite-sized for us as well? Uh, they ask users to condense these into bite size and bullet points. The desire for simplification promoted by both tools sacrifices important details and nuances and replaces thoughtful analysis with platitudes and very catchy phrases. How much competition is there out there for the catchiest of all the catchphrases on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, you know, insert your social media platform here. The end result becomes a much more one-sided conversation without much depth at all. PowerPoint and social media are not inherently responsible for this lazy thinking, but they contribute to it when people become overly reliant on them to express their thinking. Any tool or technology that replaces substantive thinking by way of format or structure is a danger when it comes to widespread use. Good leaders don't prohibit or avoid such valuable tools, but they guard against their use or, better yet, their overuse. Now, let's transition this just a little bit to a very trending thing in our culture today, as it's too early to tell if artificial intelligence chat box will make people smarter or dumber. But AI clearly has the potential to replace deep thinking with an instant answer to any question. Artificial intelligence is being tapped into these chat bots that we have today certainly are thinking in an artificial intelligent way at a much more deeper and complex level than they ever have been in the past. The reliance on these can be geared back towards 
uh, similar how Colt talks about PowerPoint and social media. Are we relying on that to help take very complex things and help us with that and not engaging the creative aspects and deep thinking of our brain? The option to allow artificial intelligence to think for us will be hugely attractive to many people. If and when that becomes a trend, then AI will be yet another tool that makes us lazy thinkers. And I would argue that lazy thinkers stifle creativity. Stifle the ability to really pick up on the creative, boundless, infinite nature of our God. AI will likely prove unequaled as a tool for learning and solving problems, but striking a balance between using AI as a helpful resource while still cultivating a critical, mind you, creative mindset will be a crucial test for thoughtful leaders over the next few years. Thinking critically, thinking creatively might be the hardest work there is. And it's possibly getting more and more difficult every day. Uh, letting anything think too much for you is never a great idea. So I want to pose uh, just a quick uh, question to our listeners. You ponder this, uh, but to our class as well, as I look through some of the things that are out there, uh, what are you allowing to think for you right now? What are you allowing to think for you right now. Anybody have an answer to that? And so to our, to our listeners, someone in our class uh, just articulated, um, name your streaming platform, uh, given Netflix was used here, Hulu, Apple TV, whatever streaming platform it is, I'm allowing their algorithm to uh, influence my likes and dislikes, perhaps. Anybody else? What are you allowing to think for you? For our listeners, somebody uh, in class definitely said the news. What news outlet we choose always has some type of spin uh, in it, and we afford them the opportunity to think for us at times. Um, I remember uh, during a period, a uh, recent season of our uh, global culture, uh, I subscribe to two different uh, news networks, each with kind of extreme views. For the sake of our podcast, not going political, I won't uh, say what those are, but I subscribe to each of them to see what the polar opposites were saying. And I remember a very factual piece of information coming out, and in my feed, the notification from each of those news outlets was completely different, yet it still had the same facts in it as well to try to get me to think about that fact a certain way. Uh, we are constantly being invited uh, to be a part of things that are trying to think for us. Uh, the piece here, uh, the theme here is there's deep thinking and there's lazy thinking. Lazy thinking is allowing something else to think for us. And in the creative space of really understanding and really engaging with something that is outside of what we might normally be able to uh, allow to impact us, we've got to be deep thinkers. We've got to afford the opportunity that the space and the boundaries and the walls could be very much outside of that. So our first major theme and kind of undercurrent of this class, uh, lazy thinking versus deep thinking. Next, a scarcity mindset versus an abundance 
mindset of abundance. Uh, there's a great uh, sermon by Louis Giglio years and years and years ago. Some of you may have uh, heard. It's been very influential to me. Uh, as I had the opportunity to listen to two separate podcasts that interviewed two separate astrophysicists recently, uh, I was reminded of his sermon where he dug into and helped us understand how unbelievably great is our God that we serve. So in order to get us out of this scarcity mindset, which we can get caught up in, a great way to do that is to look at and try to put our hands around what's happening outside of our earth in what is space. Um, a couple scriptures, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. In fact, you maybe could have translated that God's boundless creativity, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen. I'm going to read that one more time. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. Now let you ponder with that just for a moment. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse for not knowing how great God is. So creation, very creation, when looking at it, Eve shows us some of the invisible qualities of God that are out there. Gives us a feeling similar to the one our listener said uh, he had going down the, 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 the street uh, in the car looking out at the world. Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made by the word, by the breath, starry host by his breath. Uh, that psalm takes turn, kind of turns a corner down the road and says, From heaven the Lord took, uh, looks down. He watches all who live on earth. He is intimately acquainted with everything they do. Deliver them from death and keep them alive from famine. So what we're about to dig into and, and kind of try to put our minds around, there's a couple things we need to remember at the forefront as we engage with a, abund a mindset of abundance, that God's way bigger than some of the scarcity mindset that we have sometimes. Uh, but by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So the first thing we need to understand is God spoke all of this that we're about to talk about into existence, breathed it into existence. Yet at the same time and in the same psalm, in Psalm 33, the writer says he is also intimately acquainted with everything about us as well. So whereas this is huge and magnificent, and we're going to try to put our hands around some of these things that we're talking about, as we engage in this creative nature of God, we also need to remember the goal of God is also to become very acquainted with each and every person that sits on the earth as well. Uh, let's talk just for a second about galaxies, galaxies, uh, and maybe um, uh, even more so from one of the astrophysicists recently, I learned uh, we are obviously in what galaxy? I'm going to get some crowd participation here. We are in the Milky Way. As we know, some of the closest galaxies to us. Andromeda. Whirlpool Galaxy. We've heard of the Whirlpool Galaxy before. It's close to us as well. Uh, let's get our hands around what this is. There are billions of stars in each galaxy. 
and there are billions of galaxies in space. There are billions of galaxies in space. There are billions of stars. B, and to my listener, that's with a B as in boy. Billions of galaxies with billions of stars. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the stars to try to put our hands around this. But first, got to understand, uh, how far is a galaxy that would be close to us? How far away is it? Well, the Whirlpool Galaxy, close, close one of the closest ones to us is 31 million light years away. It becomes very difficult when we get into distance, so let's break that down a little bit. Um, a light year, a, 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 a light travels at 186,000 miles every second. Now, I've got some science people in the room. Please uh, make sure I stay on track here. 186,000 miles a second. That means one light year is roughly 5.88 trillion miles long. I'm getting some head nods in the room. So where is the Whirlpool Galaxy? Well, it's 31 million times 5.88 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles times 31 million. That's where the Whirlpool Galaxy is with billions and billions of stars and there's lots of other galaxies out there with billions and billions of stars. Uh, roughly 300 billion stars have been counted in the Whirlpool Galaxy. 300 billion. So when I say billions of billions, that's what we mean. Billions and billions of billions. Uh, the galaxy is one of the billions of galaxies in the world. God said, let there be light, and there was light. When we talk about how great is our God, he speaks these things into existence. Let's look at four quick stars that are in our galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy. Um, the, mo the one that is uh, most, that we know the most about, that is obviously most important to us, would be the star known as the sun, obviously. The sun is 93 million miles away from us. It takes eight minutes for light of the sun to reach our skin. So when you walk outside, uh, that light has been traveling at a speed of 186,000 miles per second. So about eight minutes when the math is done for that light to reach your skin. The sun is one million times bigger than the earth. One million times bigger is the sun. If the earth were the size of a golf ball, Okay, so imagine a golf ball. I have a golf ball in my hand. The sun would be 15 feet in diameter. So as you look at the two, golf ball is the earth. The sun would be 15 feet in diameter. You could, be, uh, you could put 960,000 earths in the sun. You could fit 960,000 earths in the sun. Now let me back up one more time. Billions and billions of galaxies, each with billions and billions of stars. We're talking about a golf ball size Earth, 960,000 in one star that's closest to us. It'd be enough golf balls to fill an entire school bus with golf balls. That's how large the sun is. Is the sun the largest star in the galaxy? 
not by a long shot. Uh, three more that we'll take a look at, and then we'll close our time this morning and close our uh, podcast uh, up for this overview. Beetlejuice, uh, also uh, I like to call it Beetlejuice. It's not spelled that way, but Beetlejuice is a movie that I love, so it sounds good. 427 light years away. So how far is that? 427 times 5.88 trillion miles. That's where that star is. Now rest assured, we're still in our own galaxy. We're still in our own galaxy. Betelgeuse is twice the size. Now you may think, listener, I'm going to say twice the size of the sun, which would be huge. That'd be 30 feet in diameter if the Earth was a golf ball. No, Betelgeuse is twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. Twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. If the Earth were a golf ball, the diameter would be six of the largest building that's ever been built on Earth. Six of those placed on top of each other. So take your golf ball, go to the largest building that's out there, the tallest building that's out there that's ever been, put the golf ball, look up, and then try to put six on top of each other. That's the diameter of Betelgeuse if the Earth were a golf ball. You could fit 262 trillion Earths inside Betelgeuse. You could fill an entire football dome with golf balls. An entire football dome with golf balls. Now, let me get your head around this. 3,000 times you could fill that football stadium. 3,000 times fill that stadium with golf, with the earth, and that is where Beetlejuice is. Um, now, I don't know about you, listener, uh, but I have spent a lot of my life advising God, <laughs> counseling God, writing diagrams for God about what should and should not be done. And I think we need to understand as we get into the creative nature and creative spaces, we need to understand that we got a lot to learn still. There's a lot of creativity and a lot of endlessness that we can learn along the way. All right, two more stars. Musafi, uh, if the earth were a golf ball, the diameter would be the width of two Golden Gate bridges end to end. Two Golden Gate bridges end to end. 2.7 quadrillion Earths fit in Musafi. Now, quadrillion's not a number that I can put my head around either. We know a billion is a thousand million, a trillion is a thousand billion, a quadrillion is a thousand trillion. So let me put that in some more context. One minute, one million, sorry, one million seconds ago, okay? One million seconds ago is 12 days ago. All right, I'm gonna try to give you an idea of quadrillion. One million seconds ago is 12 days ago. So if I say, what happened one million seconds ago, you give me 12 days ago. One, one, uh, one billion seconds ago, you may say, oh, well, we're probably talking last year, right? We know a billion is a thousand million. One billion seconds ago, you may say, well, that was last year probably. You know, I get where you're going. One billion seconds ago was the late 1960s. One billion seconds ago. These are the numbers that we're talking about. How about one trillion seconds ago? You may be saying, okay, I know where you're going, Wes. We're talking uh, all those stories we hear in Acts, the first century church. 
Now, 1 trillion seconds ago is 29,700 B.C. B.C. 29,700 B.C. 1 quadrillion seconds ago is 30,800,000 years ago. So when we talk in terms of quadrillions, this is the vastness that we're talking about. Last star, Canis Majoris. The Earth was a golf ball. It, uh, the Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest in um, diameter. Six miles above sea level. So six miles is the diameter if the Earth were a golf ball. You can fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. It's enough Earths uh, in golf balls to cover the entire state of Texas. Cover the entire state of Texas with golf balls 22 inches deep across the entire state of Texas. This is scarcity versus abundant thinking. We serve a very abundant God. We serve a huge possibilities that are out there as well. Uh, we're going to conclude our podcast for today on uh, this overview. We may just have to do a second overview because I didn't, I only got like halfway through uh, what we're doing. Again, this is not my cup of tea. Uh, I typically do facilitation and those kind of things. Uh, but we're going to pick this up uh, next week, making the impossible improbable. So moving from impossible to improbable. Uh, to our listener, thanks for listening. Uh, we meet every Sunday morning at Woodmont Hills, 945. We'd love to have you. For those in our live audience today, we will see you same bat time, same bat channel next week. Everybody have a great day.